Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host Brian Jora, and I'm very pleased to be joined tonight by uh, uh, John Sickles of MinorLeagueBall.com. John was actually supposed to join us last week, but came down with a little uh, touch of uh, laryngitis. So, uh, John, how's the voice th- tonight? No, it's a lot better today. That's for sure. <laughs> Had a good case of strep throat that I apparently caught from my wife, and. Uh, and I uh, couldn't talk at all hardly last week, but uh, a little few uh, some antibiotics, a Z-Pack, and I'm doing a lot better now. Caught from my wife. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, let, let's talk baseball. And uh, I know you saw that recently Keith Law declared that uh, Med Rosario was the top prospect in minor league baseball, and Mets fans can't wait for him to uh, get to the show, and they're talking about moving the Jubal Cabrera to third base to uh, open up a spot for him. Do you think that Rosario is ready for the majors right now? Uh, well, <laughs> um, I don't know if he's a top prospect in baseball, but I think he's got to be in the top five, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at what he's doing in Las Vegas right now. I mean, this is basically a continuation of uh, what he did down in St. Lucie and Binghamton last year. <clears throat> I mean, he's almost hitting 400 last I checked at Vegas. And, and uh, you know, the, it's interesting because the the key for him, until last year, the main thing that everybody talked about was how good his defense was. And then all of a sudden last year he started hitting, for, hitting with a lot more authority. I think a lot of that was just simple physical maturity. He always had a, a fairly good feel for the strike zone. I think that's improved as well. Uh, you could swipe a base. You know, again, you're talking about you know, at this point of the season, it's a small sample size. I think he's played 19 or 20 games down in Vegas. It's less than a month. So from a, a developmental perspective, I, I tend to be pretty conservative about these guys. You know, and uh, he's only 21. And I think from I, ideally speaking, on paper, you know, th- uh, theoretically speaking, that sort of thing, I'd sure love to give him another 70 or 80 games down in AAA just to get the finishing touches and, and that kind of thing. But on the other hand, if three weeks from now he's still hitting close to 400 and the Mets are struggling in the infield and need a reinforcement, how do you not promote him, you know? <laughs> and so uh, so that that's it's kind of one of those things I, I think that um, – I do think it's important that that expectations – I don't want to say keep them in check, but I, I think that we do need to be realistic about our expectations. But he's certainly an outstanding prospect. I, I can't – I would imagine we will definitely see him at some point this year, uh, whether that's any time you know, in the next uh, couple weeks or sooner than that or whether that's going to be later this summer. I don't know yet. We'll have to see. But uh, I, I think he's certainly a player to get excited about. Uh, again, you're looking at a guy who's uh, ripping up, Triple A, he's only 21, does obviously a good thing. 
Uh, I, I do think if you look a little bit more closely at, at it, um, you know, his, his batting average on balls in play is extremely high, and that's certainly not a bad thing. But uh, he's not, you know, he doesn't hit any home runs yet. Uh, he's only got three doubles and a triple. And and I'm, I mean, again, I'm not trying to say anything bad about him, but I'm just saying that he's probably had a little bit of luck on his side right now. So let's see how things play out. But I, I do think he's certainly an elite prospect. There's no question about that. I would completely agree with Keith Law on that. And I, I think he's a top five guy. Now the Mets are playing the Braves now, and it's kind of hard not to compare Rosario to the young shortstop for the Braves, and that's Dansby Swanson, who came with all the hype but this time last year and then had a very solid debut. But if you look at what Swanson's doing now, he certainly looks like he could use uh, 50 more of those games that you were talking about at AAA to, to refine himself. Do you have any thoughts about Rosario combined uh, compared to Swanson? Uh, you know that's that's an interesting cop. I mean, Sw- Swanson is certainly struggling, as you pointed out. I mean, one of the one of his best attributes um, in the college and, and coming up through the minors was was strike zone judgment, and he's really struggled with that so far with the Braves this year. And, and again, it's not something if you're just looking at what he done in the minors. It's not something that you would expect. Now, that said, you're also talking about a guy who jumped from double-A to the majors last year without any intervening triple-A experience at all. And even for a guy like Swanson, Swanson who comes out of a, a you know, top-notch program, uh, top-notch program at Vanderbilt, has certainly got all the tools in the world and very advanced skills, Major League Baseball is hard, you know, and I think that sometimes we get a little spoiled by by people like Mike Trout who come up and and, and turn into superstars, and and that's pretty rare. A lot of these guys need adjustment time, and and there's certainly no knock on the player. It's basically just a a reminder of how difficult – how difficult Major League Baseball really is. So, so yeah, Swanson's a good – is a good cautionary – good cautionary tale. It's, you know, certainly very early in the season – uh, I, I still think he's going to be an outstanding player. I don't think there's any question about that. And if you keep in mind also that Rosario is, is a full two years younger than Swanson, you know, it's just it's just a, a reminder that uh, to uh, to you know <laughs> give these guys a little slack, and, and you can't expect these young kids to be saviors right away. Now the feel-good story in the Mets system last year was P.J. Conlon, who pretty much wasn't on anyone's radar coming into the year, and then really cruised through single A. And this year he's doing the the double A test, and so far so good. And I want to know, do you think he's a legitimate starting pitcher in the majors? Well, you know, Conlon's. It, you know, they they say that you know last year, as you pointed out, he was really statistically successful uh, last year down in A ball. But he's a he's a finesse guy. He doesn't have a blazing fastball. And a lot of times, if if you've got good secondary pitches and you can you can get hitters inexperienced hitters to chase, uh, a lot of times you can you can run up big numbers in a ball like that without necessarily being a great prospect. The separator is double A. If you can do that in double A, if you can keep that going in double A, then you got a chance to do it in the majors. And it's early in the season, as we've mentioned before. Obviously, it's only four starts in, but so far he's doing very well. Uh, so far, he's he's pitched well in all four starts down at Binghamton. That's certainly a good sign. Um, I, I think he's got a chance. I don't think he's going to be an ace or anything of that nature, but I can see him maybe being a a useful uh, a useful uh, you know fourth or fifth starter type, or maybe or maybe a relief pitcher. Uh, but yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, again, it's still guarantee, but it's it's uh, I think certainly it's possible. I think the thing that you need to watch with guys like that, at least the the key indicator. 
that uh, that I've noticed over the years is her strikeout rate. Uh, you know, if you've got an 88 mile an hour fastball and you're still striking people out at a hitter per inning rate, uh, that's good, obviously. <laughs> you know, and and if you and conversely, if you've got a 97 mile an hour fastball and you can't strike anybody out, uh, that's that's bad. Um, you know, it's it's all about disrupting the hitter's timing. And a guy like Conlon, who can change speeds and hit his spots and hit his locations, uh, if they prove that they can do that in Double A, then it does mean that they have a chance to do it in the majors. Guarantee? No, there's never a guarantee. But I can see him. There's a chance, at least, that he could be a a finesse uh, type uh, a type starting pitcher, the kind of guy you put at the back of your rotation. Because of the weird spring training we had with the WBC, we actually got to see Conlon some this uh, Grapefruit League season for the Mets. He didn't pitch a lot. I think it was six or seven innings. But the times that he was on the mound that I saw him, he didn't look phased at all for facing major leaguers, which I thought was a pretty good uh, thing to see for a guy who had been in a ball last year and was unheralded before his big year last year. But let's move to some guy who has been heralded for quite some time, and that's former first-round pick Dominic Smith. And the last couple of years, he's done so much better in his home ballpark than on the road. And last year, it was a shocking over 300 points difference between what he did in Binghamton versus what he did in the rest of Double uh, A. And, and there's nothing that I'm aware of that, that stamps Binghamton as a good hitter's park. Uh, what's your take on someone having that extreme of a split? Well, you know that's a really good question, and and, and uh, you're right. He, he did he did it last year, and it was the same thing the year before. I mean, he had a, a pretty st- a strong home road split uh, when he was down in uh, in the Florida State League too. And uh, this year, I, I, I looked at it, and he's 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 hitting better in Vegas. But of course, everybody hits better in Vegas, and it's a small sample size this year anyway. So I don't think that necessarily means anything. What, what this means does it does it mean anything in particular for Dominic Smith? To be perfectly honest, I don't know. You know, uh, normally I wouldn't think it particularly means anything that important. I'd be more interested in his uh, left-right splits, I think, is, is something that's usually, I think, a better indicator. Uh, maybe he's more comfortable at home. Maybe he finds it easier to focus when he's in his home park. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, maybe he's distracted as on the road, or maybe it's just a random fluke. Um, it's it's uh, it's certainly something that would be interesting to see. Uh, when he reaches the majors, so that's gonna be, it would be very interesting to see if, if that remains true in the National League or not, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't – it's – it's guesswork at this point. I, I really don't have a good answer for you, but other than the fact that I've noticed the same splits, uh, and I don't know if they mean anything or not. I mentioned earlier that Binghamton is not really known as either a good hitter's or a good pitcher's park. And when I think of good hitter parks in the minors, one of the first ones I think of is Lancaster. I'm sure you could yeah. name six or eight others on, on top of that. But I looked up the splits last year at Lancaster, and for anyone who had over 100 plate appearances, there was nobody who had a, uh, a home road split less than 60 points of OPS, but nobody who had more than 200. And then you just look right. at Smith having one of over 300, and that's got to be, in, in my mind at least, some kind of a sign. And you mentioned this year he's, he's displaying the same thing again. Uh, coming into tonight's game, it was 1141 at home and 752 on the road, and 
yeah, you know, you say some of that is Vegas, and obviously that's true. It's a very good hitting environment. But the PCL, for the most part, is a very good hitting environment. And you got a guy who's only hitting 752 OPS on the road. You know, uh, there, there's some people saying, oh, dude, is that we should call him up? And that just seems incredibly premature to me. Well, I, I'd agree that I, I Smith is a guy that, you know, we, we talked about this with Osario and, and Swanson. I think Smith is a guy that definitely needs a good year at AAA. Um, and, uh, I, you know, you, you mentioned the, the ultra-extreme extreme park. So one that always comes to my mind is High Desert, which no longer has a team <laughs> out in the California League. Uh, so I think Lancaster is the is the main one now that you mentioned. On the opposite side, there's some uh, – some, um, uh, some extreme pitchers parks that are very difficult to hit in. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think Binghamton is either one of those. Uh, we know Vegas is Vegas is a very good place to hit. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, we'll just, I guess it's basically going to see if we track this. If, if, if this stays true through 2017, then we're going to have three years of data and what that means. I don't know. It would be interesting to ask the Mets that, you know, <laughs> do they, do they see a pattern there? Is it something that they're aware of? I mean, do you have any speculation on it? You follow the Mets extremely closely. So, I mean, have you heard anything that might um, give an indicator of what this I have, mean, other than it's just something to watch? Yeah, I have never heard anything about it. I just know from my own point of view, I'd much prefer somebody to have a huge split on the road side of things rather than the home side of things. And last year in Binghamton, we had a really good example of this, of, of two guys who, who play similar positions, and that's uh, Smith and uh, Matt Oberste. And Smith obviously was the first-round pick, so he gets to, to get the promotion, and Oberste found himself back in Binghamton. Uh, but, right. you know, I'd rather have the 200-point the OPS difference on the road because you figure all of the, the road parks kind of cancel each other out and, and give you a better a better view on how the guy is as a hitter. And, you know, right now I'm just scared of that 752 road mark for Smith and the uh, PCL. But uh, let's uh, shift gears to a, a player a little lower in the system, but somebody who's more or less been on our radar for, for several years now, and that's Wilmer Becerra. And he was a, uh, a high-dollar international signee of the uh, – of the Blue Jays many years ago, and then he came right. over, of course, in the in the big deal for R.A. Dickey. Um, uh, seemed to be on the rise, and then I think he's had some uh, shoulder injuries, if I if I'm correct. And he, he DH'd most of last year, and again he's DHing again this year. And just curious if you have any any news about his injuries, and should we Met fans be worried that he's not playing the field? Well, the uh, the injury was, if I recall correctly, was a labrum tear, and he tried to play through it last year, and it just, I mean, he couldn't throw hardly at all, and it, it robbed him of his power, and, and so he went on the shelf, I think it was in late July, early August, and they had surgery to correct it, and the last injury update that I had dated from early March, and it was that he had, had really yet to resume a, a serious throwing program. The fact that he's on the field at all, even playing as a DH right now, I think is is a good sign. I wouldn't worry too much uh, as a Mets fan. I wouldn't worry too much about the throwing issue right now. I think that uh, that kind of stuff can take a, a good year to recover from. The fact that he's on the field at all, even as a DH, is a good sign. I would be more interested, I think, in tracking how his power goes right now. 
because last year the the shoulder problem really seemed to sap his power. He only hit one home run last year, and he's a guy who should uh, be a lot more productive than that with his strength and his and his raw power. Uh, so I'd be very interested. I think that's what you need to pay more attention to uh, right now. I mean, obviously, it'll be interesting to see when he does get back on the field, but I think watching the power production and how that pans out I think is going to give us a, a better short-term indicator of his of his long-term uh, recovery. He's only 22, so he's still got plenty of time to put this together, and he, he is a guy that's had, been slowed by injuries. He had a back when he was in the Blue Jays system. I think he had a pretty nasty. Uh, I think it was like a broken jaw or something like that that, that knocked him out for like almost a year, and so he's he's had to fight injuries. He's had to fight through that stuff, and uh, so that's maybe that tells you something about his um, about his fortitude, about his mental and emotional fortitude that he's able to get back on the field that quickly from something uh, that can uh, knock a lot of players out. So right now I'd pay more attention to his power production and his strikes on judgment and, and worry about the fielding later. That'd be my take on it. He's John, and I'm Brian, and you're listening to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. We're talking Mets prospects, and one of my favorite prospects is Mirandi Gonzalez, who seemed much more impressive than the normal pitcher putting up good stats in Brooklyn last year. What's your take on him? I like that guy. Um, I had him as uh, one of my sleepers preseason, Uh, and part of it was because of what he did last year in the New York Penn League. I mean, you mentioned he was very effective at uh, Brooklyn, uh, timed up to 96, 97 miles an hour. Uh, secondary pitches, uh, it, from what I understood, they were a bit erratic. Uh, his curveball, at its best, was a plus pitch, but it could kind of come and go a little bit. Uh, changed up, needed some work, allegedly. Um, and his command, uh, in some games, was excellent, and some other games was not so excellent. The thing that stood out to me, obviously, was I mean, his, his, his base statistics were good. The scouting reports were certainly promising with this kind of velocity. But you also have to look at uh, the organizational context. And the Mets have a really good track record in recent years of taking guys like this and and helping them blossom. And you look at what he's doing so far this year, and he has been lights out down at Columbia. I mean, these these numbers are just are ridiculous. He's made four starts. He has 28.1 innings. He's given up zero runs. Zero earned runs, so it's not like he's given up some, you know, the, the fielders have made mistakes and he's given up some unearned runs. Zero runs at all in 28 innings. 23-3 to three strikeout-to-walk ratio, 15 hits. These are ridiculous numbers. Um, now, the only um, – the I had a, a report from one of his starts, which was that he was still showing the mid-90s fastball, but that he had just shown better consistency with his curveball and changeup. I think numbers would certainly support that. Uh, we'll have to see you as we get more detailed scouting reports as the as the season progresses. But to me, this guy looks like a, a breakout candidate. He looked like it preseason, and it certainly seems to be a breakout that's in progress. Um, he is 21, so he's a, a little older than some of these breakout guys. You know, because he's he's in low A. He's 21 years old. But if you look at him as a guy who maybe the the age equivalent of somebody drafted out of college last year to be a dominating low A. Um, and uh, doing it with without you know with good velocity, not just you know with with junk pitches, and with this this level of dominance is is very unusual. So I would imagine that 
you know, at some point soon, if he keeps not giving up any runs, he's going to have to move up to to high A, and uh, and I think that'll give us a good indication uh, there. But I, I like him a lot. I think he's a fine prospect. Uh, I had him as a C plus uh, preseason, even based just on these four starts, had moved up to a B minus. And if he keeps up anything like this kind of pitching by the end of the year, he could be uh, among the uh, elite prospects in baseball. So I think this is a guy that very well, uh, very worth keeping an eye on. And uh seems like a breakthrough in progress to me. And as I mentioned, the Mets have certainly got a very good recent track record of these uh, pitchers coming out of nowhere and turning into uh, really excellent prospects. So um, so that's my take on, on Morandi. I, I agree with you. I like him a lot. I think he's uh, very, very promising. No, I love that answer. We need to have that answer for every single guy that I ask you about. Oh, he's wonderful. <laughs> he's going to get a midseason okay. promotion. I'm raising his grade. Oh, keep it up. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to say you're going to say that about the next guy I want to ask you about. And uh, that's uh, that's the the Mets. We're we're back to the '70s. We're we're looking for a third baseman again. Oh, you know, no. with all of the injuries to David Wright. And well, I think Wayne Gerritt's available. <laughs> I wonder if he can hit it past the warning track these days or not. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, coming into the year, David Thompson was was a guy that a lot of people were excited about, and uh, he seemed to be the the one closest to the majors who who could potentially be a, a starting third baseman. And uh, just want to uh, see if if you think he has any shot to be a major league regular. Okay, David Thompson is a guy. Now, this is sort of the, the flip side of uh, Miranda Gonzalez. Um, when David Thompson was in college, when he was at uh, the University of Miami um, down in Florida, I thought he was one of the best bats available in the 2015 draft. And I was shocked that he lasted to the fourth round. Um, I thought that his defense was, was better than his reputation. And he certainly hit the snot out of the ball. Um, his last year in college, and so and it looked to me real. It didn't look to me like it was just a guy uh, taking advantage of uh, aluminum bats or something like that. I mean, obviously the Hurricanes play a really good competition, and I really liked Thompson a lot coming out of the draft. And I thought he was a real bargain. And you know, he, he came he, he came in, uh, went to Brooklyn in '15, and, and did not and did not hit very well. Um, and, and the power that he had showed in the spring in college was just not there. Uh, last year he split it, you know, as you know, between low A and high A, and he was more productive last year. He, he, he added some 70 points to his batting average. He hit 11 home runs. Uh, and I was kind of optimistic uh, heading into this season that maybe he had figured something out. One of the things that I had noted, um, one of the differences between college and, um, and pro ball for him was that he had shown a good feel for the strike zone in college. But in pro ball he's been more aggressive. And I think that's kind of backfiring on him a little bit. And you look at what he's doing now at Binghamton, and again, it's it's very early in the season. It's only 17 games. Uh, he's he's under 200. He's only hit one home run. Uh, he's got a, a four walks and 13 strikeouts. That's not very good. Uh, and I, I would I, I still think this is a guy that you know he, he's physically strong. Uh, he's still only 23, so he's not old. He doesn't turn 24 until August, so he's still pretty young. Um, one of the things that I that I do like about him. Is I think his defense has turned out to be better than people thought it would be. Um, it was actually quite good last year at times. And, uh, you know, when he was in college, it seemed to be sort of like an automatic thing that, oh, he's going to have to move to first base. Well, I don't, think that's the, I don't think that's the case now. I think he can stay at third and be at least, at least workable there. But, of course, he's got a hit. And right now that's, that's a question. 
Uh, I haven't given up on him yet. Um, there's still too much in his track record, too much in his background that, that I find intriguing. But he definitely has some things to prove over the next few months. Uh, can he still make the major leagues? Yes, certainly. Uh, is he going to be David Wright? No. Uh, could he be a, a productive player? Uh, perhaps. It's uh, certainly within the realm of possibility, but it's far from a sure thing, and he's got a lot to prove this year. And I think that we'll have a better read on David Thompson uh, four or five months from now once he gets a full year of AA uh, under his belt. Remember, at this point of the season, you know, you can have, you know, five or six good games in a row, and all of a sudden you're hitting 300. So uh, it's uh, at, at this point of the season, we really do have to keep the sample size issue in mind. Uh, I think the main thing to watch for him uh, it, it'd be, it was, is going to be his plate discipline, his strike zone judgment, and if he can recognize uh, breaking pitches and that sort of thing at the highest levels. I think that's going to be the key for him. But I, I still think he's got a chance, but uh, I, I thought he'd be better than he's been so far. Now, it's very interesting to me that you talked about that he seems to be much more aggressive now than when he was in, in college. And under Sandy Alderson, supposedly one of the things that the Mets preach is uh, plate discipline and balance that plate discipline with a more aggressive approach. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, that's a good question. Uh, it, I know I can say that a lot, but you do have a good question. So, <laughs> uh, I, I think sometimes um, – I, I think it's, it's sometimes – for some players, it's almost like a, a zen thing that if they try too hard almost, they kind of get into their heads and and um, uh, and it, it almost – because the harder they try to do something, the more difficult it becomes – uh, you know, you look at Thompson's track record, and, and again, I, I'm familiar with him because I've been tracking him since he was in college. His uh, junior and senior year in college, I guess, his, excuse me, his junior year in college, uh, he, he did a really good job. His plate discipline was one of his best attributes. I'm just pulling up the numbers here. He drew up 40, he drew 43 walks against 29 strikeouts and 253 at bats in the ACC. Now, again, it's college ball. You can just count it if you like, but. That's in the ACC. That's really good competition. Uh, now, on the other hand, if you want to do the flip side of it, um, you look at what he did in the Cape Cod League back in 2014. This is the, the wooden bat summer league that, uh, that the, a lot of guys play in. And uh, he went to the Cape Cod League in 2014, and he hit 331 with a 466 slugging. And you're like, oh, hey, that's good. Well, yeah, that's very good, especially with a wooden bat. But – in the Cape Cod League, he also had just five walks against 31 strikeouts, which is not very good. And so it's interesting to see, looking back at this, that if you look deep into his record, he has shown at times, as he did in, in the regular college seasons, that he could do a good job controlling the strike zone. But he also showed at times in the Cape Cod League that he could also get away from him. Now, it didn't hurt his production in the Cape Cod League. He still hit, the, you know, hit really well. But when you get up into double-A, that's different. And my 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 theory here, and I, I need to see Thompson more in person. I haven't seen him in person in a couple of years. I, I need to see him more in person and uh, do a bit more research and, and talk to some people who have seen him recently. I would theorize that maybe he, you know, it, it, he's got the natural ability. It's in there somewhere. But maybe he's pressing too much or maybe there's just something with the coaching that isn't clicking with him. Or maybe he just needs more reps. I don't know. But I, I think it's it's interesting to see the dichotomy in his numbers uh, and 
it's just um, it, it's interesting. I, I you know you mentioned the thing with with, with Sandy Alderson uh, emphasizing plate discipline. Uh, I'm so, I think that's I would imagine that's one of the reasons why they liked him in the first place is because he had controlled the zone so well um, that spring that he was drafted. Um, but uh, he's he's a, he's a very interesting player uh, in the sense that at times he's been outstanding and at times he has not. And uh, there's an old saying that if you show a skill once, you own it, even if you don't always produce it. David Thompson has it in him to be a really good hitter. Uh, it's a matter of consistency, and uh, we're just going to have to see. But uh, I, I don't think he's. You, I don't think he can be counted on as third base for the future. I'll put it that way. Uh, it's still possible that he could contribute, um, but uh, I think that they need to be having other options available too. All right. Well, one more follow-up on we're talking about uh, the Mets' third baseman of the future. Uh, Thompson came into the year probably as the one most likely from within the system. Is there anyone else that uh, you have on your radar if if Thompson proves unable to do it? Uh, well, you know, you look at their uh, third base rosters here. I mean, you got Phil Evans, but I think he's more of a super utility guy. Um, there was a, a guy they drafted last year at the University of Louisville, uh, Blake Tiberi, who is, is a good power bat. But uh, questions about his defense. Uh, he's down in low A right now, so he's he's some distance away. Uh, I think the uh, uh, the guy I think that I would uh, be interested in is um, playing third. I think he's playing third base. I make sure, but uh, at uh, St. Lucie, uh, Johan Urania, Urania. I know that's how you say his last name. Look <laughs> uh, at uh, Johan. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, Johan Urania. He's he's hitting. Uh, he's hitting almost last I looked, he was hitting almost 350 with excellent plate discipline uh, down at uh, down in the Florida State League. Obviously, that's something uh, interesting. And in fact, if you look at his track record, he's always uh, he, I, I don't know he's not going to hit 350 hitter, but he does seem like a guy who controls the strike zone well and it's got some offensive potential. Question there is defense. Um, he's split his time between first base and third, and he's really not very good at either position. So I. I don't think that uh, – I think third base is going to be a stretch for him. The bat's interesting, but you're talking about a guy with a sub-900 fielding percentage at third base, so that's just not going to cut it, and he hasn't really shown a lot of signs of improving that. So that's an interesting bat, but I, I, I really doubt that the club's going to fit there. So I, I think third base is a weakness for the Mets. I think that is something that they're going to have to be looking at for the future, especially with uh, you know David Wright proving that he's a human being and not a robot. <laughs> Well, this 30 minutes has just about flown by. We're just about out of time. But before you, I let you go, I want to ask you real quickly about Justin Dunn. Uh, had a great year last year, but really bad three starts here so far in the FSL. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, you know, I, again, short sample size. I think he pitched tonight. Didn't he go tonight? Um uh, I think he pitched tonight. I'm going to have to check that out. And I think I saw on Twitter that he actually threw very well tonight. So it's it's too uh, too early Woo-hoo. to panic about him. Would be the way that I would look at it. Um, you look at his uh, uh, what he's done in, in what he did in college and um, what he did in the New York Penn League last year. I still think there's every reason for optimism, assuming that there's no injury or something like that going on. But uh, he's making a jump from uh, Brooklyn to St. Lucie. That's a pretty big jump, especially for a guy who. Uh, you know, went to Boston College. There's nothing wrong with Boston College, but it's also not, uh, you know, the most, you know, 
he's also a cold weather kid. He's from New York, so he's not a kid who's got maybe not as much not much experience as some of the um, other college advanced college pitchers. So I wouldn't panic about him at all. Um, and uh, I, I do want to check out and see what he did tonight, but uh, it's too early to be concerned, in my opinion. I, I would watch the strikeout rate. He hasn't struck out many guys yet this year, um, but uh, but I, I still think he's a fine prospect. It's it's just too early to conclude anything based on those four starts. Well, we are all out of time. John, I appreciate you uh, dropping by and dropping some knowledge on us about uh, some of these Mets prospects. Well, I appreciate the questions. I love doing it. Anytime. <laughs> all right. Um, once again, that was uh, John Sickles, and you can read all of his stuff on the Mets and the 29 other teams over at minorleagueball.com. Uh, and uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to everyone next Wednesday night. Good night, everyone. <laughs>